0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Mark Mark. and Sarah Sarah. 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 talk about songs. Yes, we do. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Sarah D. Bunting, your co-host. Mark and Sarah talk about songs, and I am here, among others, with my co-host, Mark Blankenship. Hello, Mark.
1: Why, hello, Sarah, and I hope that this podcast finds you well. What? Is this a really formal email that I'm sending before I hit you up for a job? I I don't know. My
0: pinky finger is crooked right now, so uh, (laughs) folks, be be aware. No, it is not formal. Uh, Mark, we have an extremely special, in many senses of that word, presentation for the listeners today. Can you talk a little bit about who is joining us and what they will be enduring?
1: Yes. Well, uh, uh, yes, I sure can. First, we are going to be speaking today about two 1980s vanity hits, both of which peaked at number five in the mid-80s. One is Respect Yourself by Bruce Willis, and the other is Heartbeat by Don Johnson. And if some part of you just shriveled up and started screaming in a corner, <laughs> yes, you are remembering the songs correctly. Uh, the One of the reasons, however, that it's we felt it was important to speak about those songs for this episode is because those are both projects of television stars who perhaps had the misguided belief that they were also capable of being pop stars and if there's anyone on this planet who knows about things like that it would be our guests for today's very special episode so now i would like to uh introduce you to dan and tracy dan and tracy hello hello
2: hello, hello. how are you
0: Hi.
3: now dan and
1: tracy can you tell our listeners where they might have heard your voices before
3: Yeah. So uh, Dan and I put out a podcast called Monica the Podcast that was about a musical that we wrote together uh, post-college. It was about the Clinton Lewinsky scandal. That's the Monica we refer to in the title, Monica the Musical and Monica the Podcast.
1: And your interest, if I'm not mistaken, in uh, television stars who have gone on to ill-advised pop careers... Uh, is as strong as perhaps Sarah's and mine. So can you can you tell us a little bit about that? Do you like that very, very casual segue <laughs> that I'm giving you? <laughs>
3: it's so natural. Yeah, Dan, do you want to talk about um, our project? Yeah,
2: so Tracy is a um, songwriter and a folk singer, and I am a drunken karaoke genius. Um, and so the <laughs> two of us began collaborating a few years and ago. And professional on, holiday um, caroler. And professional holiday caroler along with my mother in a restaurant on Long Island wearing Victorian wear and singing six part Christmas carols to drunken Italian tourists on Long Island, which is what we call the family business. And um, so Tracy <laughs> and I uh, performed a lot together. We were also in the same uh, college a cappella group. And um, mm. I, uh, we are also aficionados of the Housewives franchise. And so several years ago, we uh, began writing uh, folk versions of Housewives Vanity Singles. Um, and so it uh, transitioned us into this uh, discussion that we are having here.
1: And I am thrilled yeah. to announce that those songs that you have written that were based on the, your rewrites of Housewives songs that you've turned into uh, folk songs are going to be the basis of, I think we can say this now, a, an upcoming <gasps> Mastus spinoff podcast that will be starring you guys. Yay! Yay!
3: <laughs> yeah, and I'd say they're not so much, uh, we didn't so much rewrite as reinterpret. <laughs> the songs um, so they're the same songs but they are they are really folkified and um they're arranged in such a manner that you can really <laughs> focus on the uh, the stellar lyrical content and melodies that so are, and, uh, in case that's not clear
0: masked listeners and subscribers uh that spinoff will be available on this bat channel so uh stay tuned uh, our first episode will concern a certain countess's aspirations. Is that correct? Mm. Mark yes. and I have been given uh, a not... syllabus for which, <laughs> with which to prepare <laughs> for this.
3: We thought it was important that you had all the background knowledge that you would require to understand. I Countess just uh, also like her... to
0: say congratulations to myself for setting my life up so that this is work and that I must immerse myself in it uh, and focus upon it without guilt. And what I want to say is, listeners,
1: even if you are not Housewives franchise watchers like me, there is still going to be a lot for you to enjoy about this spinoff show because as I have been doing the prep work for the spinoff, I have been alternately delighted and horrified, (laughs) but in ways that are really exciting. And to be able to dig into these songs with people of real musical talent and to talk about them in this way, I think is going to just be kind of what the internet is
2: for. Maybe (laughs) certainly my life on the internet.
3: For sure. Yes. So we will.
2: Yeah. When we first conceptualized it, we were going to um, do it ourselves and call it Money Can't Buy You podcast based on the first song in the series, the Countess Luann's Money Can't Buy You class. But obviously, we are big fans of Mark and Sarah and of this podcast as well. So it all feels like it is of a kind. Uh, yes. And perhaps yeah. we can
0: call it class ass uh, negotiations. Oh,
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: It's so bad. Yeah. It's still bad. <laughs> And so that seems up. like an excellent segue. Unless anyone else has any uh, more, well, what details. I will just
1: add finally is keep your ears peeled, listeners. Uh, the premiere episode of this uh, exceptional, as yet unnamed spinoff is going to be dropping before Labor Day. I would venture to say. Yes, so we're so. very excited to share mm-hmm. it with you. But again, I, as Sarah was saying, let's get back to the matter at hand, which is uh, two rival. 80s novelty or shall I say vanity singles I think the best way to jump in y'all is I'm going to suggest that we just listen to clips of well let me ask you should we do uh, should we listen to one clip and then discuss and then listen to the other clip or should we just listen to both clips in a row um
0: I think that we should listen to the Bruce Willis clip first and sort of like dip a toe (laughs) into the the pool of of this and maybe talk about that while we are girding our loins slash eardrums (laughs) For the second clip. So shall I play a little bit of Bruce Willis's or slash Bruno? Because he had, you know, a whole alter ego constructed around this as well. I'll play that clip and then we're, you know, let's take hands and go on this journey together. Here is Respect Yourself.
1: Okay, so first question, Dan, Dan and Tracy, to what degree were you familiar with Bruce Willis's uh again, number 5 hit respect oh. yourself? <laughs>
3: Uh, Well, I remember this vividly from the 80s as I was a child of the 80s. (laughs) Barely an embryo, but still a child. (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, so I remember this when it came out. I was also a huge Moonlighting fan. Um, I don't know about you all. And so I feel like Bruce Willis was sort of in the ether. Um, Yeah, and I, you know, I jammed along to this then and frankly now. I I do think this is a good
0: song, but I... Oh yeah, but it didn't need the Brunofication. I was definitely yeah. aware of this because I had a close friend at this time who was like Bruce Willis Super Stan, and we like I would go over to her house and she, like we would watch the Return of Bruno video collection or whatever, and I just didn't get it like i never I never got it. With wait, that
1: there was a video collection like this wasn't the only video i th-
0: yeah, no, I think there was like a oh dear God, yeah, there was like a whole framing story. I mean you know either you get it with that guy or you don't, and I just kind of don't like he just seems sort of smirky, and like he's singing into a broom in this video, and his his voice is like completely overwhelmed by the mix around him. Yeah. So he extra doesn't Deliberately need to be there. So. <laughs> Maybe they were doing us a favor with that, yeah. but I don't know. Uh, Dan, what were your feelings either contemporaneously or now?
2: Well, I grew up in a world of the half hour sitcom. It was all I watched when I was a kid. And the first hour long show that I ever watched was Moonlighting. I was I might have been the Bruce Willis friend whose house you were at at the time. It's been such a long time. Trust me, you would not be the first person to refer to me as Linda. And so I was. I loved the show. I have seen the wildly underrated Hudson Hawk more times. Ooh, I had Hudson Hawk with Sandra Bernhardt. With with Sandra
1: Bernhardt giving me my life in that movie too.
2: And all of those properties share in common the fact that he busts out into songs in all of them like you'll watch the videos for the return of Bruno and they will all autoplay on YouTube into him singing on Moonlighting or some track from another thing where he like he loved to sing I think the problem was when he wanted to package it into an R&B album that was released by Motown. In honor of your Hmm. recent Paul Simon episode, I renamed the album Cultural Appropriations and Love Songs. Because, like... (laughs) In the video for Respect Yourself, a white dude at the bar literally turns off the TV featuring the original Motown version of this song so that Bruce Willis could sing it instead and it was like <laughs> why and like I the think
0: harmonica
3: for 13 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that was really him playing the harmonica it on the track? Was kind I didn't of look bad, at the credits. So probably.
0: but it's just like uh, why is this like the you know having sat through the entirety of cop rock with our esteemed colleague Adam Grossworth it's like why is this what Mm -hmm. like I can't I think I understand what it thinks it is and what it wants to be but those reasons even if true are insufficient for why it is like so this should have been drowned in a boot goodbye
1: to put, to put forward what may become an unpopular opinion as we move forward, of the two songs that we're discussing, I actually think this one is the bigger crime because mm-hmm. there was already <laughs> a perfectly excellent version of this song that existed. I, there was yeah. Li- yeah. Uh-huh. Bruce Willis has literally nothing to offer us, and that thing about the mix is not an accident, as Tracy was saying, nope. because June Pointer no. of the Pointer Sisters comes in and sings the other Staple Singers part, and they turned her mix way the fuck up. Yep. It's like June Pointer is... Singing so loudly in this mix that it's trying to obliterate the memory of the Bruce Willis vocal. And uh, we we actually polled some of our Patreon uh, patrons about these two songs, asking them which one they preferred. And 65% chose this song, but it was very clear that it was under duress. And I feel like uh, our, listener Dawn, our listener Dawn said, well, those were both terrible, but I chose Bruce for his pool table gymnastic move in the video. And oh. also because he had the wisdom... To pick a good song and then give up singing it. <laughs> I
3: was yeah. about so to no, mention the
0: pool table, like, proto-twerking thing that was happening. Like, while he's singing the words, respect yourself, like, et to Bruno, what are you doing? <laughs> Literally, what are you doing? I think I just saw a hernia yeah. happening.
1: Yes. Well, and uh, our listener, Erica, I... also said that she basically voted for Bruce because of June Pointer. June so, right.
3: Yeah. Oh, 100 percent. And I think if you watch the video, too, I mean, the moment that she sort of comes up sort of disguised at first in the garb of a homeless person at the bar and then she pops out and you're like, it's June Pointer. It's just like all charisma Um, and such a contrast to him just sort of like shuffling around as he did. I actually said Um, the words, thank God, out loud
0: when she appeared. Like, (laughs) oh, finally a professional.
3: And she does an amazing... Oh, yeah, and she sounds amazing. I mean, she sounds so great, which is, I think, why I actually don't mind um, this version of the song this much. I also think, for me, I love the original by the Staples Singers so much, and Mavis Staples is just, like, a national treasure, and I feel like the Staples Singers are unassailable um and so even though it's obviously a subpar version the song is just so good um that i can't like i don't in some ways i don't mind it that much though i do find it an odd choice for bruce willis to be singing a song of black empowerment yes (laughs) well a song that that was I mean a song that was
1: specifically written because the songwriters felt that that black people were losing their way in the way they treated one another and it's like you know Paul Simon we 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 joke we joke but when Paul Simon goes to Africa and works with Ladysmith Black Mombazo he seems to really trying to be he seems to be trying to listen to them and -hmm. like learn from them and then adapt what he's learning into his own musical voice Mm -hmm. whereas Bruce Willis is like you know, I got something to say, and, and it actually, he doesn't think he has anything to say. He's just like, I'm just going to no. put this coat on and and play dress up, and and then Motown's going to release it, and it's just like, it's sort of what the, the worst that cultural appropriation has to offer in a way, yes. Brucey.
0: Oh, it's <laughs> <laughs> he has to just... literally turn the TV off. I just. <laughs> All right. Well, but okay. Um... But then,
1: now it's time, however, to think about this song in (laughs) tandem with Don Johnson's number five hit, uh, Heartbeat. So let's listen to a little snippet of Don Johnson's Smash
2: single. Which, and if I may, oh, I'm so sorry. For
0: everyone's information, is titled Fart
2: Bleat in
0: my sound program.
2: (laughs) Dan, please continue. And if it helps transition, I'm not sure that anybody else noticed this during our deep dive research that in the People magazine review (laughs) of The Return of Bruno, where they also uh, referred to his cover of Under the the Boardwalk as, quote, surprisingly they (laughs) they also said, and I quote, The album shows that Willis can't shout songs quite as well as Don Johnson. Oh, shit. (laughs)
3: Wow.
2: Yes.
0: I regret to inform you that this clip is a little long because I really felt like I needed to include several different types (laughs) of caterwalling.
1: (laughs) I believe I have
0: succeeded. Good luck Professor
1: Bunting knew professor bunting you knew that you had several points to make and you needed to make sure that the students heard them so i I support that
0: (laughs) i did uh your plugs in here is don johnson's heartbeat
3: (laughs) Oh. <laughs> He's singing really
0: high. Dan, can you sing that high? Yes. Uh <laughs> yes. you guys oh my God. can't sing that high. And
3: neither can Don Johnson. <laughs> you know what else Don Johnson
0: can't do? Aww. Don Johnson can't have a sing bowel movement. And apparently this has been true <laughs> oh, no. for three weeks. Someone get Don Johnson some metamucil. Put him in a diving so guys, bell and sink done. him to the bottom of the sea. Thank you.
2: As as an <laughs> opening
1: salvo to this conversation, I would like to perhaps improbably bring our minds to Millie Vanilli. Okay, and specifically the mm-hmm. Millie Vanilli song "Blame It on the Rain," mm-hmm. which was written by mm-hmm. Diane Warren, master songwriter of the '80s, '90s, and today, and it is not. <laughs> The song, or Diane Warren's fault, that Millie Vanilli is the one who who performed it or didn't perform it, as the case may be. <laughs> and Wendy Waldman wrote "Heartbeat." She also went on to write "Save the Best for Last" uh, by Ooh, Vanessa Williams. Good track. Oh. And she wrote "Oh Industry" from uh, "Beaches," that the weird song that that Bette Midler sings when she's in that downtown uh, experimental yeah. musical. Yep. Wow. So I would just say that to me. Heartbeat is actually a great cheesy 80s pop song and yep. it's not the song's fault that it got stuck with Captain with Captain Constipation <laughs> and if there were yeah. a version of this song that were performed by a Steve Perry I actually think that we would love it but I also appreciate that this performance and god help me the weird video where it, I, the like Vietnam war footage filled <laughs> spy <laughs> drama that doesn't make any sense video yeah not doing anybody any favors but the, I just want to just want to throw my lot in and say heartbeat girl I see you maybe Sarah Allison Kraus can remake this song as well yes and just salvage it <laughs> or she can rewrite it and I would Yvonne say...
0: Elliman can sing I mean here's the thing it is perfect 80s product um I am unable to separate it from having seen the hour-long like long form surrealistic video narrative whatever the fuck that surrounded it like at the original time and then I saw it again like a dozen years ago I wrote it up on my blog we'll have a link in the show notes but like John Carlos Stanton not John Carlos Stanton Jesus Christ help me why can't I (laughs) why can't I think of John Carlos last name he is an actor he played Gus Fring come on
3: uh, esposito thank you oh, S- Stanton. Stanton.
0: Yeah. jesus that's a very different project <laughs> and i would actually totally watch that uh dweezil zappa is in this video there's like near-death yes, experience flashbacks there's don johnson gnawing on lori singer's breast like it's a corn on the cob i can't like all of that is happening At one point, he does a duet with Willie Nelson while Sandal Bergman is pirouetting around a bar. Apparently, this character is his mother. I had to find that out on Wikipedia. No idea.
3: Not Willie Nelson. It How did just, he tag this? this?
2: I would really, really strongly recommend that everyone watch this because I don't think anyone believes you that Don Johnson was allowed to make Lemonade. Like, the fact that he had a visual <laughs> album in the 80s is <laughs> shocking. And then he's, like,
0: gra- he's a groundbreaking guy. And then he's wearing this, like, t- Komodo tuxedo <laughs> affair. And then we never see him naked which at the time like that would have been a draw but no he's just wearing like a cummerbund and like shouting into corners and the blocking is like here's this extremely heavy punch bowl full of grenades like what the fuck this is on youtube you can watch it i swear i swear to god this all happened um But, Mark, I really, like, it's so hard for me to separate my sensations around this from the actual, like, song construction. I think you are right that this is actually probably a pretty decent song, like, just on paper. But this person is not prepared to translate it for the human ear.
2: Um, I could not agree more. I think Mark completely nailed it. This is boiler- Late '80s Drek from a songwriting (laughs) POV. It keeps to the standard format of '80s rock: verse, chorus, verse, chorus a horrible bridge where as we all know he goes for that first note the same way that people are never going to get the land of the free in the national anthem and then guitar solo and then the final chorus with the 12 key changes where he's looking for some like non turbulent air to settle into one key that he can make it to the fade out with and he just never finds it and um, that's where the you know the bridge and the key changes really start to reveal the limitations of old dumb vocal prowess, but I would also say, further to Mark's point, that the song itself had the unexpected result in that rather than just writing it off as the one-off Vanity single, it actually made me rethink my relationship to the music of Don Johnson Hear me <laughs> out. Okay, so it's not that the song is good. It's not. We already talked about this. It's like you know those tweets that are like, "I taught a bot how to do a thing, and this is what it generated, and this is teaching a bot how to make an '80s song." Like we said, <laughs> but for what it's worth, unlike the Bruce Will, unlike unlike the Bruce Willis song, this. Um, well, forget about that. So, in Don Johnson's long and storied music career, he did have two albums. He had a duet with Barbara, Barbara Streisand. Barbra Streisand, yes, oh. right? Oh, yes. And I and I think most importantly, yeah. knowing what 1986 was, he had a place at the table on the Billboard charts, number five. And by way of context, I was nine in 1986, so I was literally plugged into the top 40 in musical mainframe. Like, I had a mixtape that I listened to on my cassette player at summer camp, which had two songs on it, which were Janet Jackson's What Have You Done For Me Lately uh-huh. and Modern Woman by Billy Joel, and that was it. So despite <laughs> the fact that I had no recollection of heartbeat existing at all if you look at the week the song peaked at number five it is literally a random snapshot of mid-80s music and you guys will remember like 90 out of the top 100 songs of that week like did you look at it number one was um when i think of you actually hold on yeah i'm gonna go
0: grab my billboard chart book i'm gonna be right back
3: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh my god yes, Is that a Yes really- it is
0: I'm surprised he has to grab oh it god. I thought he had it memorized A little disappointed Mark uh, Yeah this is just And this will- was really like He did this at exactly the right time In terms of his Miami Vice Fame right. which already was a second Act yeah. for him right. Sort of
3: It was? What was he his was like, act? He was like naked in some movie Oh, he was in Playgirl, too, wasn't he? I feel like that was a a thing. I don't think uh, with Um, bits,
0: though. I think just like shirtless and strumming a banjo. No, right. That's not a euphemism.
3: Like a bunny yes. rabbit in front of his, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in front of his private. Oh god. Um, to Mark's earlier point, though, um, there is actually another version of this song. The original was sung by Helen Reddy, and if you think this is bad, that one, I am sad to say, is worse. <laughs> no.
1: You know, I remember that as after it's I terrible. said that, it was like '83 or something, right when she recorded it. Yeah. But it took the wi- it, it took the good. interpretive skill of a Don Johnson Ooh. to really bring the song. <laughs> and
3: <laughs> to bring it, bring the, it to uh, life, to give the it a heartbeat. edgy guitar
0: of one Dweezil Zappa, on whom I had
3: she a massive Zappa.
0: crush at this time, and I don't remember what
3: was well, he on hot.
0: remote control or not remote control? Was he? I was like, he
3: was on something on MTV. When I saw him in this video, um, as we were preparing for this, I was happy to see Dweezil, and I reaffirmed my initial. Um, uh my initial thought that he was hot. Like he, he, he was so hot. hot.
0: And he could okay. I think he could actually yeah. play. But what was the show what was yeah. the game oh, yeah. show on MTV where they sat in the Barca Loungers and Adam
1: Sandler? Remote control. Remote control. yeah. No, remote control.
3: Okay.
1: Okay. Remote control. Out of control, no, control. No, control was Dave
0: control. Coulier, actually.
1: Yes, and and oh, yeah.
0: Liz. Diz. And yeah. Diz. 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 Yes, it was Diz, sorry.
1: Excellent.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. Boring. <laughs>
2: uh,
1: <laughs> hurry up machine is which is how I felt when I was listening to that Bruce Willis song. Yeah. (laughs) So yes, Dan, you were correct. I am, I'm holding my book of, uh, all of the hot 100 charts from the eighties on the week ending October 10th, 86, when heartbeat reached a peak of number five, number one was when I think of you, uh, by Janet Jackson. Number two was that was the week that typical male peaked at number two for Tina Turner, a a fave of yours. I know. Yes. (laughs) Tell me, lawyer. Uh number three <laughs> was True Colors by Cindy Lauper, and number four oh. was Throwing It All Away oh. by Genesis. So oh boy. pretty wow. rarefied air up there for Donnie. Yeah. I'll and say. if you
2: look at I was that's was this the week I don't just know this, um, but was this the week that number ten was a matter of trust?
1: Yes. Yes, it absolutely because, was that week.
2: Because having grown up on Long Island and indoctrinated into the Billy Joel machine at a very young age, I would never um report to compare the two but i will also say that like from a boilerplate 80s direct perspective you could sing the song heartbeat over the song a matter of trust and they would basically line up (laughs) perfectly like the wall on the wizard of Oz. yeah kind of nice Mm -hmm. by the way dan the fact that you were Um, able
1: to just know that that was the week this song hit number 10 is the reason that we have been friends for a long time And I feel like somewhere a star just blinked in appreciation of what happened right now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and that star is wow. Don Johnson. <laughs> so you guys, know, one thing I want to it bring up
1: so- our listeners in uh, uh, our Patreon patrons who participated in the poll about these two songs. Also, I think made some fair points. Uh, Lindsay, our listener, Lindsay, as well as our listener, Heather, both said, well, huh. Why not, in this conversation, also talk about Party All the Time by Eddie Murphy? <laughs> uh, Beth also asked, well, what about All I Need and Rock On by Jack yeah. Wagner and Michael Damian, oh, sure. respectively, who were, mm. these were all oh, yeah. also vanity singles. Yeah. And then someone else brought up early, early Mastis topic, uh, She's Like the Wind by sure. Paul uh, Patrick Swayze. Mm-hmm. Patrick and I was Swayze, like, you know, yeah. here's the thing. For whatever reason, all of those other examples, I'm like, kind of into
0: but these two are not good and also and I, I don't... let's not forget that we also discussed the song that jamie fox forced producers of any given sunday to let him sing over the end credits of any given sunday oh yeah and yeah i mean talk about a vanity project
2: oh
3: Ooh.
2: guys so- i I had pitched songs more on the level of, like, <clears throat> Tyra Banks' Shake Your Body. I wanted to do, like, Kevin Federline's Popo Zow And it was just a text chain from Between Me and Tracy where she just kept writing the words, that's a bridge too far, Dan. That's a bridge too far, Dan. That's a bridge too far, Dan. Too far, Dan. Like, over and over. I don't know.
3: I wanted to do the night the lights went out in Georgia, which is I think yeah. an, an earlier, an earlier um, example. Mm-hmm. Although maybe Vicki Lawrence had a, a storied vocal career. No, it was she of, wasn't Vicki Lawrence
1: wasn't even going to be singing that song, and it all sort of came together at the last minute. And she never really recorded another song, but that was her like smash hit.
3: Mm. And it's so good. oh,
1: such a but what I wanted so so, so Tracy and Dan, <clears throat> but also Sarah, of course. When you think about these songs and then you think about All I Need, Party All the Time, Rock On Remake, where would you, what is your response hearing those songs mentioned in this conversation?
3: Yeah, I think those songs seem a little less egregious in a certain way. She's like the wind, obviously, as a as a young female um, watching Dirty Dancing. I was very <laughs> Oh, yeah. and could still sing every word um to this day all i need i honestly haven't thought about in a really long time although that's a decent song i feel like he was my like number one
0: crush as a kid so but and michael damien was like a little more popular in the soap opera like up in your locker crush department but like Mm -hmm. those were singles that were like these guys i think actually were like trained musicians who wanted to be musicians and it wasn't this like whatever Jared Leto situation without getting into <laughs> that mm. whole Donny Brook it's like <laughs> they and their characters on the soap operas were like rockers or whatever so I felt yeah, like um, that was right. if not legit like the songs are just still sort of novelties in that they sound so 80s and they haven't aged all that well, but the vocals are a lot better and they just, there aren't as many bad ideas because these aren't like machine, <laughs> these are pop machine guys who get it. And they're, they weren't well, powerful yeah. enough to be like, well, no, I'm leaving the cornet and we're only going to colorize part of this scene. Like, there there's none of that these dudes are 23 and they're like if you want this released as a single grab your ankles and they did it so i think as a result those songs are better or like less baffling at least well
1: and i would say patrick swayze wrote his song as listeners who heard that episode early in the life of our podcast will no doubt remember and wendy fraser we're still looking for you uh but I also feel like thinking about Eddie Murphy, he was the one who had the potential to go off the rails. And he really did later when he released a song with Michael Jackson called "Was Up With You? I don't know if yes. you guys remember that song. Oh, terrible. No. horrible, no, terrible, terrible song. But I bought the single because it was 1993. What did I know? But when he released his novelty song, his vanity song, he had Rick James working with him. but And Bruce Willis yeah. also was on Motown, so he had good people around him, but also... Eddie Murphy had the good sense not to remake a song. He had Rick James write, mm. writing a song for him. And I feel like there's another alternative universe where if Bruce Willis had not sung a cover but had come out with something original, maybe it would have been less horrifying. I mean, maybe not. I mean, who knows? Maybe The Expendables <laughs> 5 would have been an Oscar-worthy film. Who can say? I,
3: yeah,
0: I just feel like there's a... There's this, like, comedians, I think, sometimes become comedians because they weren't hot enough to be leading men and couldn't sing well enough to be lead singers. Like, there's a hierarchy of, like, um, aspirational hotness, I think, for men that I don't claim to understand. But I, I have a feeling that, especially with, like, comedians or comic actors, that they're like, the minute I get enough juice i'm going to make myself the rock star that i feel was overlooked by the universe and it's like well the universe is not a complete idiot usually (laughs) recent election results notwithstanding it's like look you know (laughs) like this this is not your destiny and then when they try to make it their destinies it's like oh honey and then you get these Hmm. sort of gently pitying reviews by the likes of people magazine who they don't want their <laughs> access to everyone on this show cut off so they give yeah. it a sort of hold their noses and give it a b minus and it's like well it's a it's a minus all right i don't <laughs> <laughs> i mean yeah <laughs> but it's like a, you know I i mean they really, I think they clearly felt very strongly about this stuff. It's just a lot. It's just pretty misguided. But yeah,
3: yeah. yeah. I mean, if the video is any indication, Don Johnson was feeling the fuck out of this <laughs> oh my one. God. He was <laughs> the, really like, the, into
1: the it. Diseased, oh, the disease, the disease rooster walk that he's doing. It's like <laughs> out of control.
3: And just like that fist pumping, and he's so like, oh, it's all in his. You can just yeah, see it. You know,
1: and it's like you feel a certain amount as a spectator. I feel a certain amount of empathy for the people who try to do this and it doesn't quite work because you look at someone like uh, Kylie Minogue, who was an Australian soap star, really mm-hmm. worked out for her. So, like, yeah. who's to say that? Or, or Rick Springfield, a, a great example. He started out on a soap opera and he mm. released like eight or nine great songs. So, it's like, who exactly knows? when those dice are thrown, who's going to come up snake eyes, you know, like Don Johnson, I can see how maybe it, you thought I've. uh,
2: No, I think, I'm sorry. I think that's exactly (laughs) right. Like everyone, the same way that like everyone wants to direct, like everyone wants to front a rock band. I am 107 years old and I want to front a rock band. Countess Luann has been for 10 years on a reality show and she just wanted to be a music superstar. And I think that I respect the desire to at least fit in sort of with the pop music s- like sort of canonical sound of the time like i would rather have a don johnson cover of the thing that sounds like a matter of trust over and above him doing like a mambo number no. five or what was the rick D's chicken song disco duck yes. disco duck <laughs> um, and so I think at least, sorry, the, the Filipino name is Rick D's chicken song. Oh, so it's, uh, the, tr- the translation oh, is a little different. No. Um, and so I think that exactly like you said, like if that transition happens for people who come out of the acting world or the soap opera world or the sports world, and Kobe has an Oscar, um, mm. I think, right? It um, that, it, <laughs> that it at least, you know, that if the transition works, it works. And if it doesn't work, then we're sitting here, you know talking about don johnson which is a perfect way yeah. oh think, sorry tracy carry on
3: oh yeah no i think part of the problem too with heartbeat specifically is that don johnson was just taking it so i seriously, was gonna say that which yeah. i think when you look at bruce yeah. willis like bruce willis you just feel like he was like sure i'll record an yeah. album and he was just you know doing his thing between the pool tables <laughs> but don johnson was really trying to make some sort of artistic mm-hmm. statement with a song um the lyrics of which are objectively just terrible. <laughs> what does it even mean he's looking for a heartbeat? Like barely a sentient being is his, is his dream. I know. For mate. I'm just looking <laughs> yeah. for a heartbeat. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's,
1: yeah, it's hashtag no I mean, thanks. <laughs> Me too. Pupil, her, pupils her pupils don't even have to dilate, dilate when I shine a flashlight into them. It's just oh I'm just God. looking for <laughs> right, a just,
0: Persistent, just a constipated that's state it. will do. <laughs> Well, I feel
1: like this is a perfect time to segue back and remind listeners that if you have enjoyed this conversation as much as I have, and I hope that you have, uh, Dan and Tracy will be here very soon on our feed to give you even more of their insights and their musical reevaluations and reclaiming of uh, <laughs> Housewives songs. So maybe they can turn those Housewives songs into the songs that they were always meant to be. And then Maybe one day Allison Krauss will cover heartbeat and uh, everything will be great. <laughs> but until that time, we we uh, Sarah and I will be appearing on the pilot episode, premiere episode of their upcoming podcast. So we will all look forward to talking to you soon. And Dan and Tracy, thank you so much for joining the Mastis family, and thank you so much for joining us here today. Thank Indeed. you so much, thank guys. You guys. Uh-
3: yeah but no thanks because I can't get heartburn <laughs> <laughs> and if you're like well maybe there. if so I thanks, just do no the thanks. key
0: change it'll leave my head no
3: <laughs> it won't it'll just pop right on up <laughs> oh.
0: Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs is hosted by Mark Blankenship and Sarah D. Bunting and edited by Sarah D. Bunting. That's me. Need to talk to Mark and Sarah about song requests, ads, or birthday readings? Email us at talkaboutsongs at gmail.com. Tweet us at talk songs, Or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash become a supporter and producer of the podcast visit our patreon page at patreoncom mastass. and as always thank you for listening what i is all in my mind
2: because it seems so hard.